Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? Here it is, the week one preview of the Bears Talk Underground been waiting forever to be able to uh, to do this one. It's it's finally real. Uh, as we speak, the Lions and the Chiefs are, are uh, I think, in the third quarter uh, of the game. The Lions just had a pick six to tie it up at uh, 14. The Chiefs had a 14-7 advantage at halftime. But we're not focused on the NFL. Well, that, that was the fourth phase. That was yesterday. Today, it's all about our beloved Chicago Bears and previewing their much-anticipated matchup just to get, number one, to get this season started. But the NFL, of course, had to have us start this new era with the Green Bay Packers, and they come into Soldier Field on Sunday. 3 o'clock kickoff or 325 or whatever. Fox's game of the week and everything as close as we're going to get to a primetime matchup unless that Week 18 matchup uh, at the end of the season uh, has some kind of heavy playoff or division implications uh, to it. But... um It'll be Bears-Packers on Sunday. I am jacked. The season is finally here. We finally get to see our guys play, or as many of them as possible. Tevin Jenkins won't be out there uh, uh, and everything, but pretty much everybody else will be. So uh, we'll have Jaquan Brisker out on the field. Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, for lack of a better term, are all making their debuts. You know, Not just their official, you know, we're taking stats debuts, but we saw very little of all of those guys uh, during the uh, during the preseason, and we finally get to see our players play uh, and, and uh, you know take on the, the the Green Bay Packers. And this game is so important; it is so important to get this whole thing started off on the right foot. The you know the Packer era starting without Aaron Rodgers for the first time in fifteen years or however long it's been, uh, and uh, you know finally. We're, we're, we're putting a team on the field that should be able to beat the Packers, and God help us if we don't. So, But all that being said, we got keys to the game, we got news and notes, and we have a guest uh, to help us preview this ball game. So let's get this party started. This is the week one preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Here we go, y'all. So excited. Week number one is finally here. I'm recording this Thursday night. Less than 72 hours uh, from now, the Bears and Packers will take the field and get this goddamn thing finally started. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's the waiting that's the worst part. You know, we'll, we'll see how, how much the, the waiting was worth uh, when they finally get it kicked off and start playing real football and everything on on, on Sunday. Uh, at noon here in the Midwest and, and you know, uh, everywhere else. And, oh, yeah, 
It's it's I'm 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 done talking about this. I want to get to it. I want to see this team play to see if we are as good on paper or as good on the field as we appear to be on paper. Is this roster as improved as it looks to be on paper? Still a lot of non-believers out there. Uh, maybe some of them can be put in the wait and see category. Uh, our guest uh, today is uh, Paul Noonan. Uh, in for the uh, recently uh, hitched Evan Western, who's off actually doing that right now. God bless him. But, uh, you know, he's in there. And, and as you'll hear in our conversation recorded last night, that uh, he's not a uh, Justin Fields uh, believer. So, I mean, there are people that fall into that category, unfortunately, for all that Fields did for the Bears uh, last year, the important part of being a quarterback is being a passer, and that's where Justin Fields still has a lot to um, still has a lot to prove. You know, he did it wonderfully at the college level, but has yet to really get his feet underneath him as a as a strong, solid, consistent passer in the NFL. And now that he has a bevy of targets with Claypool and obviously DJ Moore, a healthy Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet is back. Robert Tunyon was a red zone touchdown machine for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay to go along with Tyler Scott, Equinemia St. Brown, who was uh, you know pretty good last year uh, as well, to go along with Khalil Herbert, Deontay Foreman, and Rashawn Johnson coming out of the backfield. And every now and then they like to sprinkle in Kari Blazing game for a, pla- for a pass out of the backfield as well. They revamped uh, the offensive line, even though we won't see are, you know, desired starting five out there with Tevin Jenkins out for the first few weeks uh, with uh, with that uh, calf strain or whatever it is. They never really confirmed it, but he's out at least the first four games with that leg injury. So Cor- uh, Cody Whitehair sliding from center over to left guard. Lucas Patrick will be the starting center on Sunday. Nate Davis, Darnell Wright uh, on the right side. Cody Whitehair, Braxton Jones on the left with Patrick, it's it's not bad. It's not bad. It's it's not what we wanted. It's not what we were hoping for. We we're hoping to have Cody at center with Tevin in there at left guard, that road grading bastard that he is when he's healthy and out there playing. But uh, we're gonna have to wait until October uh, to see that. So, uh, yeah, plenty to uh, plenty to get into. But there's a lot of people out there that are are still if if there if there aren't just straight up non-believers like our uh, guest will be. Uh, Paul Noonan here when we talk to him in just a few moments, um, then they just don't believe that the Bears, that like in the Bears, period. Some of them it's, you know, I got to see what's coming on from Fields and other people, you know, it's it's still the Bears, you know, that they're just going to have to go out there and actually do it before people start uh, believing in them. Not a lot of love in power rankings, not a lot of love in, you know, projected finishes. Uh, of course, uh, former Bears Talk Underground guest and host of Good Morning Football, Kyle Brandt, Chicago area native, chose them to win the division when they were making their picks this week on Good Morning uh, Football. And he was the only one who had the Bears making the playoffs at all. So just to show you that, you know, even even, uh, you know, nationwide with the with the talking heads in, in the broadcasting industry, not a lot of believers out there that the Bears and and or Justin Fields can actually pull this off and if we lose this game on Sunday there's going to be a lot less uh, than there is now so uh, you think that you don't like the Bears being 21 in the power rankings we'll lose this game to Green Bay and watch us fall to like 25 or 26 and then have to dig our way out of that hole so anyway let's go ahead and get the show started we got news and notes kicking things off here 
Uh, interesting little note that I saw on on the Twitter or whatever the kids are calling it these days or whatever Elon Musk is calling it these days. X, I guess. Uh, Justin Fields is uh, he's a Reebok man. Signed an endorsement deal with the uh, with the shoe company. Um, no terms were released or anything like that, but uh, he'll be sporting Reebok for the uh, for the near future. Saw a few photos today of him holding a Reebok branded football, wearing a Reebok Reebok banded shirt, uh, and so on. So uh, he's not a Nike man or Adidas or Under Armour. He's Reebok all the way. QB one. So uh, the Bears did make a few roster moves uh, this week. Um, nothing that affected the fifty three because these guys were on injured reserve to begin with. But the Bears released uh, Dante Pettis and Isaiah Ford, uh, both wide receivers. Ford actually, you know, played well from time to time. I think uh, Dante Pettis got hurt during the Tennessee game. Didn't play for the rest of the uh, preseason. But both were released today with injury settlements, or it was yesterday actually on Wednesday that they were released with injury settlements, so they are now free agents a- available to sign with uh, with anybody. Uh, when you check out uh, the, the uniforms on Sunday, you might see the – you'll be able to identify who the rookies are um, because they'll be wearing an NFL premiere patch uh, on their uh, on the chest there, uh, basically just uh, the NFL's way of, of, I guess, telling everyone who the new kids are. You see him wearing that that premier patch on week one, uh, either tonight on Thursday or Sunday or Monday of uh, you know this week as well. That's how you spot a rookie. So when you see Darnell Wright out there, Roshan Johnson, uh, Tyler Scott, or anybody else who might be contributing uh, for the Bears on Sunday, that are either UDFA's or or you know draft class guys, you'll see him out there with that NFL premier patch uh, on their uh, on their jersey. So keep an eye out uh, for that. Um, I did not hear who this week's Green Bay Packer captain was, but I forgot to uh, pass it along last or a week or two ago when the Bears voted on captains. The captains for 2023, you got two veterans and two new guys uh, in it there, the veterans being Justin Fields and Eddie Jackson, and, and by veterans I mean guys that have been on the team, and the two new guys, DJ Moore, and linebacker Tremaine Edmonds are the other captains, so no special teamers in there uh, or anything like that. We got our quarterback, our wide receiver one, our middle linebacker, and our uh, hopefully soon-to-be, once again, ball-hawking uh, safety. He got off to a fast start that last year with you know, with them early picks and, uh, and everything. Hopefully there'll be some more of that uh, coming from him uh, as well. And finally, in the news and notes department, we have our injury report. Uh, nothing really to get uh, up in a twist about. Jaquan Brisker was limited yesterday, full go today on Thursday with the groin injury, so he is good to go. Nate Davis, I, I got a what? What is going on with Nate Davis? He had there was a uh, you know uh, for those of you who you know may have heard about it on on social media or, or whatever. Like, what was the deal? With Nate Davis, why was he missing so much time with in camp? Turns out he didn't have an injury at all. If the story that I read is true, it was more of a, I guess, a fundamental disagreement with the effort that he was giving in practice because the Bears go with the loaf system and and Eberflus and company and felt like he was loafing that he wasn't giving the top effort. They were going back and forth and arguing with one another uh, about that, and um, you know Nate Davis had another personal 
day to day. Now I'm, I hope it doesn't another one of those loafing situations. I mean, you you don't want to wish anything ill uh, on on anybody, but I hope that it was something personal because he was at practice today. He was there. He was on the sidelines, you know, watching practice, but he wasn't practicing. Um, so I, I hope that this this works itself out, whatever it is, or at least I hope it was something personal. And this it's just a, a bad coincidence that this happened after what we heard was going on in preseason and the and uh, training camp. And uh, hopefully he's good to go uh, for Sunday. Uh, Mercedes Lewis had a veteran day of rest today. He's otherwise fine. And Demarcus Walker, with the calf injury that kept him out of the preseason, was limited yesterday on Wednesday, but full go today on Thursday, so we can expect to see him. The only other injury is uh, backup linebacker uh, Dylan Cole hadn't practiced yet this week with a hamstring injury, so I'd say that you know that leads to pretty good chance that he might not be available on Sunday for the Packer game. So that is all I have for the news and notes for week number one. Yeah, so let's just get that out of the way. And we're going to bring in our guest uh, from Acme Packing Company, subbing in for our good friend Evan Western, Paul Noonan from Acme Packing Company, here to help us preview Bears Packers for week number one. Well, guys, we made it. It's uh, it's week one. We are, let's see, it's it's Wednesday night. So we're, what, 72 hours and change away from uh, kickoff? I, I can't believe it's finally down to that. Another three, four days and we'll be there. And we'll finally get to answer the question, can the Bears beat the Packers? Especially now that Aaron Rodgers is gone. And uh, here to help me answer that question or disagree with me or, or, or whatever uh, you know, uh, subbing in for uh, for our good friend Evan Western. It's Paul Noonan from Acme Packing Company. Paul, thanks so much for uh, for joining us. Thanks for coming in from the bullpen for Evan. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So let's start to try and answer the question one way or the other here, uh, Paul. How how are you guys feeling uh, about the Packers right now? I mean, after the after the off season, the draft. And, and more importantly, after preseason, because Jordan loved to uh, play quite a bit during the preseason, didn't he? He did. He, he played every game, and we got a really good look at him, honestly. And um, he was pretty impressive, generally. Um, you know, one of his big problems in college was just a lack of accuracy, generally. Uh, he was the kind of typical big-armed, not-accurate guy that doesn't always work out. I'm not one of my favorite prospects we've ever had. Sure. Um, and his accuracy improved a little bit, but more than anything, um, he really seemed to be doing a good job playing within the offense and making the right reads on pretty much every throw. Uh, the Packers run kind of a pseudo Kyle Shanahan offense. There's a lot of design throws and a lot of sneaky stuff. And if you just kind of stick to that, usually you'll be okay if you're halfway decently accurate. And he was. So uh, I think we're all feeling fairly optimistic about the Packers this year, all things considered. At least we were until today. We uh, Injuries, I think, are going to bite us a little bit going into the Bears game and mm-hmm. uh, make make a significant difference in that game. But uh, in terms of like overall personnel and how the preseason went, I think there's a lot to be optimistic about. Sure. And, and speaking of those uh, injuries, how, how worried are we about the, the prospect of no Watson or Dobbs in this game? Um, 
really, really worried. So really? I actually, I had to record my podcast yesterday, and uh, that podcast is full of me talking about the Packers as prohibitive favorites in that game. Uh-huh. But Christian Watson's a big part of that. The, mm-hmm. the Bears like to run a lot of single high stuff. They like to be a little bit aggressive. And Watson is the Packers' only over-the-top like deep guy that they have on the team. Without him, they basically have to rely entirely on running the ball and underneath throws. And the Bears are good at taking that away. Like, it's a huge disadvantage for the Packers to not have Watson specifically. Um, Dobbs had a really good preseason and was their highest-rated receiver by PFF and pretty much everybody else in the preseason. Uh, Missing him is also bad. I don't think he's as talented as Watson is, but everybody else on the team is a a rookie or a seventh-round pick from last year. There's just not a lot of wide receiver depth that has any experience at all on this team. So um, I think Watson's a huge blow for them and, and really brings the Bears. I don't, know if, I don't know if it makes them favorites, but it makes this game a lot closer than I think it otherwise would have been. Yeah, and, and you know, you, you alluded to it, but like without Dobbs and Watson, say they're both out, uh, who does that leave besides your, your, your rookie tight ends that you just drafted? <laughs> um, so the de facto number one receiver, uh, you may as well just go jump on your fantasy waiver wire and get this guy. Uh, it's it's going to be Malik Heath, who was by far their best receiver in the preseason, uh, is a UDFA. The Packers typically have not kept UDFAs under their current uh, under the Gudikins regime. Uh, drafted players make it. UDFAs almost never make it. Uh, he dominated the preseason. If you don't know who he was, uh, he's an old Miss guy. He played with Jonathan Mingo. And if you were scouting college guys at all and looked at Jonathan Mingo, you probably had the experience I did, which was that other guy seems really good too. Um, and that is kind of the case. So um, he, he was just signed in the offseason. He was extremely dominant in the, in the preseason, and he's probably going to be their number one receiver in this game. Wow. Um, they also drafted Jaden Reed out of Michigan State. He was the highest receiver they took. Um, he was their second rounder. He's a slot receiver only. He's a, he's a little fast guy, um, and so they'll rely a lot on throws to little fast guys. Um, but uh, those will be the guys other than Luke Musgrave who probably draw targets in this game. The other outside receiver is going to be Samari Ture, who was a seventh rounder out of Nebraska last year. And a guy I like pretty well, but, you know, he's just a guy. So um, that's all you're bringing to the table in this game, other than whoever gets a practice squad call up at the last minute. Uh, Dontavian Wicks, their other draft pick, is also hurt. They have hamstring injuries all over the place. And uh, I I don't even know who they're going to call up to be the fourth receiver. I'm sure they'll bring somebody. I think Grant Dubose might be the guy. He's healthy. But it's just all guys you've never heard of, and uh, that's going to put them behind the eight ball a little bit. They're going to have to play a very run-heavy, very tight end-heavy game to move the ball. Uh, yeah, uh, you said that uh, you know guys you've never heard of before. I have no idea who the hell Malik Keith <laughs> is. Uh, I've never heard that name ago until about six minutes ago. So, yeah, you are absolutely correct. I do uh, think he'll lead that. the team in targets. That my, my like out there prediction will be Malik Heath will lead the team, team in targets, and he'll be like all the roto places like number three or so add next week. That that'd be my guess for him. But your running backs are healthy at least, right? Aaron Jones, AJ, and Jones likes to catch the ball out of the backfield, doesn't he? He does. He's pretty good at it. No, they'll probably play that up quite a bit in, in, in this game. He was their third leading receiver by catches last year. They like to get the ball to him in space. And their offensive line is healthy. So in the trenches, they should be fine. And something they can at least fall back on and maybe get enough, you know, fun little trick plays and design plays to make this work. Um, and, and honestly, they ran pretty well against the Bears last year. I know the Bears are, you know, a bit improved on the defensive side. A little bit, But yeah. they're going to come out and try and probably run the ball quite a bit. Um, and if that doesn't work, 
we'll see what happens. Well, yeah, if I was the the Packers, I, w- I would test that front uh, early and often uh, as well, just to, uh, if, if no other reason than to like mentally take over the game, you know, to get them behind the eight ball early by shoving the ball down our, our throats, despite our brand new linebackers and our all new uh, defensive line. We, we've got one starter coming back uh, this year and it's uh, Justin Jones, you know, who isn't, yep. who isn't much to write home about, but he's, he's still a solid football player, but everybody else on that front, you know, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, uh, Demarcus Walker and um, Andrew Billingsley; those are guys that we brought. I mean, literally just brought in Yannick Ngakwe a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and the other guys were, were free agents that we pulled in, and, and the guys behind them are uh, rookies in our in our defensive tackles. So, yeah, if I was you guys, I would definitely test up that that front four for sure, and and keep uh, Edwards and Edmonds busy. Uh, early and often uh, the in, that, uh, also in the game, specifically are good at running against Yannick Ngakwe, who is a an excellent pass rusher, but not good at much of anything else. Yeah, and 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 the other thing that that worries me about that is that he's kind of got a chip on his shoulder about that because he did mention, like in his introductory press conference with the Bears, that you know he's taken some flack about his run defense. So I think he's uh, going to be especially uh, you know at, at least in, in the early going, especially cognizant of the fact that he needs to play the run better than he has because that's kind of the knock on him, despite his. You know, his great consistency throughout his career, no matter what team he's been on, we can count on a good eight or nine sacks out of him. But, uh, you know, yeah. defending the run on first or second down, that is not Ngakwe's, uh, you know, forte. So, uh, yeah, it, it wouldn't be a bad strategy if I were you guys. I'd definitely be looking to test uh, that front four or that front seven uh, early on with the with Dylan, who has had success against the Bears in the past. So, for sure, that's yeah. that would be a, a – plus it also takes the onus off of uh, – Jordan Love early on it sets up play action and, and the whole nine, whole yeah. nine yards. And they're going to need that in this game, yeah, hundred percent. So what I'm hearing is that it's going to come down to Justin Fields and the offense uh, against that uh, better than average defense that you guys get that now has added Lucas Van Ness uh, along <laughs> with everyone else that you already had. Well, we'll see. Um, one of I think the Packers have a very talented defense, but I've thought that for a while. And um, while they do have good people sort of up and down, they don't have an NFL safety on the roster. Mm. They're going to be starting Darnell Savage and Rudy Ford. Rudy Ford is a special teams guy that Rich Rich Basaccia, our special teams coordinator, basically signed special to play on special teams and managed to become the starter, not through really being good, just through attrition of other people and poor Adrian Amos finally having his legs give out on him. Um, And, our our defensive coordinator is Joe Barry, who has never once coordinated a good defense in the NFL. Um, he is a pure nepotism pick. He is Matt LaFleur's friend. I mean, he's only in the NFL because he's Rod Marinelli's son-in-law. And he's oh, wow. just, um, he's like, they were 20th last year. That's the best they've ever been under him. And it's just hard to be, have any confidence that this will actually be an above average Packer defense. Um, no matter how many good players they seem to get, it doesn't seem to matter. Um, one change that they did make is he used to be an on the field guy and he's moved up to the booth, which honestly, if you're a defensive coordinator, seems like where you should be um, being able to see everything from the sky. But right. maybe that helps a little bit. But the Packers are vulnerable in a lot of the same ways. The Packers are always vulnerable on defense. They um, tend to struggle in stopping the run. 
they will maybe get a little better at that because they've shipped Dean Lowry over to Minnesota where he's going to be one of their defensive ends. He's atrocious against the run. They're moving Kenny Clark to uh, a defensive line position not and off the nose, which means they get TJ Slayton, who's a big body in the middle. That maybe helps against the run and maybe a year of development from Quay Walker, the uh, inside linebacker they drafted out of Alabama last year. Uh, maybe that helps. But he was a disaster last year, just making wrong read after wrong read, always in the wrong spot. And in this game, he's going to be uh, tasked with both like chasing. He's probably going to be the spy on fields in addition to having to make the right reads on Herbert and everybody else that they throw on the backfield there. So yeah. um, I'm pretty bullish on the Bears being able to move the ball in this game just because they do have a strong running attack based on fields and good running backs. And, you know, if you just have that plus a whole bunch of checkdowns to DJ Moore, that's probably good enough if uh, if the Packers can't move the ball themselves. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that was the thing about seeing this game on the schedule first was it's like, oh, man, it's like, OK, Rogers is gone and, you know, hip, hip, hooray uh, about that. It's a very bittersweet thing, bittersweet thing. Uh, for bear fans, because ding dong, the witch is dead. You know she's gone, and, and and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, if ever there was a team that I wanted to have face Aaron Rodgers, it was this one. You know, <laughs> it, it was. I mean, it, it, this is the best chance that we've had to beat you guys in a long time. And I figured that, you know, if Rodgers would have stuck it out one more year, but you know, obviously that was not going allow itself to happen. Uh, you know, out there in in, in Green Bay, uh, and everything. So. You know, we'll we'll have to wait and see how how it all kind of comes together. But like I said, I was kind of nervous about about all the weight that's going to be put on this game, especially for the Bears, because we're in a no win situation. Because if we win, we should have won because Rodgers is gone and Jordan Love is no Aaron Rodgers and so on. And if we lose, well, that's ten times worse. But you know, like we <laughs> we can't lose and we can't win if we win. You know what I'm saying? Because we were supposed to. Now that Rodgers is gone and the roster is better than it was uh, a year ago, I suppose so. I, I, I kind of feel like the Packers and Bears are in a similar situation this year with their quarterbacks. Sure, where yeah. this is really sort of an assessment year. And while like I don't want to lose to the Bears ever, I, I live in Chicago and I have to deal with all of you people when that happens, and you know whatever. But. Uh, I, I also feel like if you do kind of just lose and tank this season, next season has like the greatest quarterback class of the last decade or so. And both of our teams have accumulated a lot of draft capital to kind of go and get people. So mm-hmm. I view this just, just kind of a tryout. And if it happens to work out, yay, so much the better. But if it doesn't, uh, you can reload really fast with a really quality quarterback going forward. So I'm kind of at peace with this season already. <laughs> and anything that happens that's good is just gravy for me. Right. Well, we haven't had your recent success, so that's not where Bear fans are at uh, right now. And, and I think a lot of them are straddling the fence on what what this year is and and how it how it is to look. Or, and and you know, like, well, the, you know, we we have two first rounders uh, next year, which puts us in a great position to go out and get another quarterback if Fields doesn't step up. Now that he actually has competent talent and everything around him, we fortified the offensive line, you know, and all that kind of stuff. It's, I just want them to win. I'm, I'm tired of, of, uh, you know, of, of all the, the losing the, you know, we knew that last year was going to suck and we somehow endured and half-ass enjoyed a three and 14 season <laughs> because of everything that Justin Fields was doing by himself. And now that he actually has help around him, you know, we're expecting 
we're expecting more. We're not going to be. We're not going to settle for it like we did last year because Justin All Fields right. played well and no one else did. We somehow managed to get the number one pick. Thank you very much, Lovey Smith, and <laughs> uh, and everything else. But we uh, we want to win this year, Lovey Smith. Yeah, one one last gift for the Bears on his way out. Uh, you know when he knew he was done in Houston. So, but yeah, it's 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 one of those things. We with the Bear fans, we 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 want to win. So it's uh, like I said, it, it's a no win situation for us on Sunday. If we win, we should have won because Rodgers is gone and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And if we lose, then, you know, we'll just pack it up and, and start looking for a brand-new quarterback now or start tanking for Caleb Williams and Drake May right this very second and, uh, you know, use those two picks to, 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 you know, to either go up and get them or trade for something or, you know, or whatever. So it's, yep. it's, uh, it's one of those. It's, it's a very important year for the Bears, that's for sure. So Absolutely. So how are you feeling about Jordan Love right now? Um, decent. And that's actually maybe the worst place to be with sure. a quarterback. So um, I do think that they will end up looking a lot like how the 49ers look. And that's kind of what I'm looking for from Love, where if you mm. go and look at like the EPA stats on quarterbacks every year, it's always Mahomes and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. And then Jimmy Garoppolo is always up there. And Jimmy Garoppolo is not a particularly good quarterback, but if you play that system really well, that's the kind of efficiency you can kind of put up. And I think that's the sort of the best case scenario with Jordan. Um, he, he seems to have really gotten uh, done his homework on the offense. So I'll take that. Um, and his accuracy is a little better and that arm is good to whip it out to, to deep threats, but uh, he still had problems in the preseason enough that I'm still kind of worried about him. And I think there's still some ceiling on what he can be. Like he was not a, a good, accurate deep thrower in the preseason. He, he had weird mechanical issues whenever he took deep shots, he undershot people, which is unusual based on what he did in college and just still misses guys too much when they're open. Um, which is concerning. He made the right read almost every time, but like I, I want my guy, I want pinpoint accuracy as much as possible. I like my passers to be pretty accurate just whenever they get it out there. And it's not like he's not a phenomenal running quarterback either. Like he's not Justin Fields who runs a sub four four forty. Um, his, his RAS score was almost exactly what Aaron Rodgers was when he came out of college. So you know that's good functional mobility, but it's it's not like you're going to have like a huge running aspect to the offense based on Jordan Love's mobility. So he really does have to do with his arm, um, and it's okay, but it's not great. So uh, I'm like, I think you can win with him. I'm just not sure you can have you know another dynasty with him. I don't see that happening with him. I think you're kind of at the Matt Staffordist level as a best case scenario, which mm. is yeah, it's fine, but it's not great. Uh, I would rather be the team that has a super good guy or tanks to get one and not you know not live in Detroit hell for a while. Sure, sure, yeah, we've all uh, we've all watched that go on uh, for a while, but um, basically you're 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 singing news uh, you know this this is you know music to my ears here that that a packer fan doesn't believe another dynasty uh is possible because i got to tell you paul when uh when Favre took over i was uh, a 14 year old freshman uh in high school and uh i'm 45 now and uh it's it's just about time for uh someone other than green bay to have the best quarterback in the uh in the division so uh yeah it's been long enough we it, like it just can't happen with with well, uh, with Jordan Love. It just can't. Yeah, 
It's still possible this year that they might because uh, I'm not a huge believer in fields either, and I think Kirk's going to decline pretty significantly at age 35. Goff's probably better, but if you get enough pressure on him, he's not. So mm-hmm. um, it's still there's still a chance. We could still make that happen. <laughs> oh, man. So... <clears throat> So let's talk about this d- division uh, of ours um, with the, uh, with the, you know, where, number one, where do you think you guys would be if you still had Aaron Rodgers? I mean, not to mention, you know, all the, the drama you'd have had to swallow and, and deal with if he was still around and, and, and all the questions that you had last year being back there uh, again this year. But um, how do you think you would feel with Rodgers in tow this season, because you'd still have the same problems with Watson and Dobbs and nobody behind them and uh, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I probably think you'd probably feel better about that than you would with Jordan Love. No, I don't think so. Really? Um, yeah. First of all, the team would look drastically different than it currently does, um, and it would look much more like it did last year and have probably have very similar results. You would still have his buddies on the team. You would still have Lazard on the team, and you would still have Cobb on the team. Uh, you would still be paying Rogers. We, we're still paying most of Rogers' salary, but we would uh, have financial constraints based on still having him on the team and having to push out money into the future. Uh, and do another extension to make that happen. And so mm. it wouldn't be Watson and Dobbs, Dobbs being featured. The other thing about Aaron is he doesn't run the offense. And that worked really well when he was still at his peak and performing like an MVP. Matt, Matt, Matt LaFleur compromised with Rodgers a lot on how the offense was run. Rodgers doesn't like pre-snap motion. He hates it. He likes to see everything and how the defense is reacting and um, not change to play up until the last... That's why they don't snap the ball to the last minute. He wants to see what the defense moving and then snap the ball. LaFleur loves pre-snap motion. That, that's the, the McVay-Shanahan school of running offense, and all of our analysis of football says it's a smart thing to do to make the offense more efficient. Um, that's what will happen this year. Aaron doesn't like throwing to the middle of the field. I actually blame Brian Urlacher for that specifically. Um, he, he throws almost exclusively to the outside. He uh, almost never does that, and throwing to the middle of the field is much more efficient than throwing to the outside. They're going to throw to the middle a lot more this year. They did in preseason. So there's all these little things that, that uh, will make the offense more efficient, even if the person running it's not as good. And Rodgers isn't as good. Uh, he's definitely entered his decline phase. And people will say, well, he had a broken thumb last year, which is absolutely true. But 40-year-old quarterbacks always have something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. That's how getting old works. Yeah. When you turn 40, you just have ailments all the time, and you never feel quite right, and that's how decline happens. So um, if he was here, it would be a lot It would be a lot like it was last year with you know older, declining receivers, uh, a, a much worse cap situation, and I still think they would finish. They'd be like a 500 team, and uh, I would rather have see what we got here and see if this is better. And if not, have it be worse so that we can start rebuilding ourselves. Uh, I'm I'm glad he's gone. Uh, I don't like keeping quarterbacks into their 40 plus seasons. It basically never works out. You you can maybe get one squeak out of it, like with Favre and the Vikings, but that's kind of as far as it goes. Sure. Yeah, that's. Uh... Yeah, I guess you're right about that. It would be a vastly different team if he was still around because, like you said, his, his friends would still be uh, around. And, and I have heard that, too, about uh, about the offense, that now Matt LaFleur gets to run his offense as opposed to letting Aaron Rodgers go out there, you know, drawing plays in the dirt kind of thing and, to 
Matt, do what he maybe does. we don't even know if Matt's actually a good offensive coordinator. He might not be. <laughs> it's entirely I mean, Aaron Rodgers. I, I I sometimes rip, but he is obviously an excellent quarterback, and it's very possible all their offensive success is based on his plan, not on Matt Lafleur at all. So it's also good to find this out. <laughs> sure, um, and so you can start to make plans for that as well. And just playing with the what if uh, scenario, say you guys go, you know, five and twelve or four and thirteen or whatever, is Matt Lafleur around? Next year, I think he probably gets one year of of grace period, but uh-huh. the hot seat heats up fast. I think. Sure, I, th- I think uh, it's not a long leash. It's it's a leash, but it's not huge. Next year, I think would be a you get your guys, you win, or we start to look elsewhere. Sure, sure. So, what is the cap situation now that Rogers is gone? Like you're you're taking it all in the teeth this year, and then you're good to go next year. Or how does that work? Um, next year improves drastically, but we'll still have some of his on the books, but. Uh, this is definitely a cleanup year. They're mm-hmm. they're taking a bunch on the chin. Um, they did something interesting in the draft where they they traded for like five or six. Uh, that's not right. A whole bunch of seventh rounders just so they wouldn't have to pay UDFA's like market value. Um, and uh, the, the, like they they've been huge penny pinchers just to cram as much damage into this year's cap. Next year's still not great. I think they still have like a good forty or fifty million dollars of dead money off of, off of the Rogers deal and a few others. And Preston Smith's contract's going to be a problem too. Um, but twenty twenty five is basically all clear. Mm-hmm. So starting in two years, they can start spending again and you know make some actual moves. Right, which is not what the Packers do, but maybe they can. Extend Watson and, you know, those kind of guys. You can start having that conversation uh, at that point uh, in 2025, I guess. Yep. So, so like I said, let, let's uh, let's talk about the, the division. As, as with Rodgers being gone, it is as wide open as it's ever been. I don't think anyone thinks the Vikings can repeat the magic that they had last <laughs> year, 11, 11 wins in one-score games, or what were they, like 10-1, 11-1, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it was ri- incredible. Yeah, yeah, ridiculous what they did. I mean, give them all the credit in the world. You know, they took advantage they, and they and they they won the games. But I don't think anyone on earth thinks thirteen and four is possible uh, again. Uh, they've they've subtracted mostly as far as their transactions uh, in the off season. They brought in Brian Flores, which means the defense is automatically going to be more competent. But will it be as you know? Will it be good as far as you know? not allowing 30-plus points a game, which is why the Vikings had to score 40 uh, to win uh, last year. Then you have the Lions, and even though I'm still – I am on the Lions uh, taking the division train right now, it's also – I got to see it to believe it from the Lions because, you know, they are That's the fair. Lions after yeah. all. And, 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 I, and I say this in full context where, you know, just to show that I'm not being a dick about it, the Lions are like the Bears in that we're not known for historically stringing along <laughs> successful seasons together. So, you know, I got to see the Lions put up 10, 11, 12 wins or whatever it's going to take to win the division before I actually believe the hype train. I believe that on paper they're probably the favorite going in, but, you know, for them I got to see it to believe it. Then there's, you know, what what's going on with you guys and then what's what's happened with the Bears and the improvements we've made. It looks all great on paper, but how will it translate on the field? Will they be able to string it all together? Will you know defenses focus on DJ Moore and force Justin Fields to find everyone else and all that kind of stuff? It it really is quite the division going into this season. That it is, um, and uh, I for I guess start with the Vikings. 
Um, I, I'm with you on that. There's no way that they're going to be able to replicate that success. And everybody knows that, except the, the one outlet that has them still being kind of good is actually Pro Football Focus, which uh, surprised me. Um, they're usually better than that, but they're going to regress to the mean there pretty heavily. And uh, they were basically a 500 team last year, dressed up with a whole bunch of luck, and they've definitely gotten worse. Um, there's uh, Brian Flores is yeah he, he's a he's an upgrade there, but they hemorrhaged personnel on defense. They, they really lost did. so much defensive personnel. Yeah. Um, he, he can coordinate the heck out of that, and they're still going to get lit up pretty hard. And that offense, uh, it's I mean Justin Jefferson's obviously outstanding. He's one of the best receivers in the league, and Kirk's fine. He's good, but. Um, People in Kirk's tier of quarterbacking do tend to start to decline pretty precipitously when they turn 35. It actually started last year a little bit with him. His interceptable passes almost doubled last year. Um, and they're not as good on offense as they have been. They're they're better than they are in defense. But uh, I think that's like a six-win team. Uh, I, I don't think that they're any good at all, and I think they're going to crash pretty hard, which happens a lot when you outperform one year. Often it bites the year after. So Yeah, my, uh, um, my last episode I did what I called the picks that stick. And uh, I did have the, uh, the Lions. I, had st- I did have Minnesota in last place uh, behind you know the other three teams. I, I believe as you do, they're, they are going to regress hard. And I, I do think that they're, you know, I didn't do wins and losses, but 6 and 11, 7 and 10 sounds about yeah. right for me with the Vikings they're, this year. So their FTN projection, which is formerly Football Outsiders, RIP, um, was for six wins. So they are, they're in agreement with that. Um, and I agree with, I think the Lions are the class of the division. I, I think they've run a few really smart off seasons in a row. Um, I don't really like golf that well, but playing behind what is one of the NFL's best offensive lines basically makes him good. He's a weird quarterback where when he's protected well, he is one of the best quarterbacks in football. And when he's not protected well, he becomes instantly one of the worst quarterbacks in football. And it's kind of an insane dichotomy. There's no gray area there at all. Playing behind that offensive line just makes him good. And uh, good. They, they did well to restock their running backs, I think. Um, uh, their receivers, other than Jamison Williams, who I think is just going to flame out of the league, um, that's a good group as well. So and I like Ben Johnson a lot. They did, keeping Ben Johnson was the smartest thing they did all offseason. I thought he was going to get a head coaching job, and I really wish he would have. Mm-hmm. Um, I do wonder about their defense, though. They were they were not good last year. They've got some names, uh, and they also did a complete secondary overhaul, which was smart because their secondary was bad. But uh, they were a bottom ten offense or a bottom ten defense as well, and I'm not sure they're all the way back yet. So. There's some holes there. I think that they're like a 10-win team, and I think they will win the division, but they're certainly not perfect at all. Um, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I mean, and, and I had that discussion with, with, um, with Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit uh, about that, and, you know, I did share the whole, like, you know, the Lions are like the Bears. We, you know, historically we don't string successful seasons back-to-back, so I think the Lions can do it, but I got to see it in order, yep. to, uh, in order to believe it because – They've had really talented teams where, you know, the years that they had Barry Sanders uh, and everything, but they'd go 12 and 4 one year and then back it up with 6 and 10 the year after for no reason. Even when they had Herman Moore and Rodney Pete and, uh, and all those guys, they had football teams back then. They were really good players uh, back then. But, the, you know, Wayne Fonts would circle the wagons in one year and then the next year they're 6 and 10. And, you know, even though Barry yeah. Sanders still running for 1,700 yards, it just didn't make any sense. Yeah, well, all quarterback. That's usually the explanation when you see something like that happening, and that's the case with the Lions, too. Yeah. Scott Mitchell, not good. Right. No, he wasn't. That guy got rich off of uh, backing up uh, 
Dead Marino Marina. down in yep. Miami. Yeah. For all you kids out there who remember the 90s yeah. uh, and everything, Scott Mitchell, what a guy. Yep. Like, so like, I'm actually pretty optimistic about the Packers if they stay healthy. I just don't think they're going to. Um, this was a problem last year. Watson and Dobbs missed a whole bunch of games last year with lower leg soft tissue injuries. They seem to be prone to it. And Watson had that problem in college as well. That might just be a thing with him. And if it is, um, they don't have the offense to do, I don't think, very much. I'm actually worried about Luke Musgrave as well, who only played like two games last year. <laughs> um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Um but the Packers play essentially the easiest schedule in the NFL this year by mm-hmm. most metrics that grade such things. And so I, ha- I think they're like a true talent, like six win team, but I could see them actually jumping up and winning like 10 games just because it's so easy for them to win 10 games if they play halfway competent football, which is not to say they're better than the Lions or anybody else in the division. It's just that's how schedules shake out when you're not very good the year before yeah. and you happen to draw the two you know weaker conference you know the two weaker opponents um conference wise so um i think they might be a little they might kind of pull a vikings here a little bit and and uh punch over their weight class which you know if trying to rebuild isn't great and can fool you on quarterback but i won't be surprised if they're 500 ish minus plus one or minus one that's kind of where i have them if they're healthy they yeah. can also be like four they can be a four-win team very easily if everybody gets hurt yeah, and I, I talked to Adam Rank from NFL Network, and, and that's one we, we did say that the, uh, I believe it was the Packers that we were talking about saying that as far as like Florida ceiling, they're the ones that have the most extreme, uh, you know, uh, window there. Like you said, where, you know, they could go just completely tank it and, and their four and five wins. It's like, or Jordan Love can hit the ground running and you guys win 10 or 11 games and, uh, and steal the division. Uh, and everything it's like it's entirely possible it is like it and we and we don't know like we saw preseason but preseason doesn't matter like if he comes out and he's uh, instantly a good quarterback they'll be really good they're actually still pretty talented i just there's no way to tell that that's the case or not and the floor is very low with him as well <laughs> so yeah it's very hard to predict the packers honestly and i i'd be lying if i said with any confidence what i think they'll be i i don't know either and i hope they're good but uh, who i mean who knows yeah, but and depth, but depth is a concern for you guys. Um, in a lot of important places, it is not yeah. an offensive line and not a running back, but there's no receiver depth as you just found out. And they have the rookie tight ends; they have quite a few of them. But I wouldn't consider that to be depth exactly. I think Luke Musgrave is quite a bit better than everybody else's. And if he goes down, that also robs them of an important weapon. He's healthy right now. He's, I think, a good fantasy pick to have on your team. He's going to soak up targets like mad. But he's been injury prone in college, and injury prone in college has bitten them hard lately. Mm. And on defense, though, um, they have a solid edge group; they're strong there. Everything else, the depth is severely lacking on the defensive line and inside linebacker um, at safety, especially. They're kind of deep at cornerback, but if any of those other position groups suffer injuries, I don't think it'll matter that much. Yeah, and then in talking about the the Bears and their depth situation is like number one, our frontline people are are upgraded from what they were uh, a year ago, and and I wouldn't go so far as to say that our depth is good or great, but it's definitely better than it was last year. So even the people that would have to step up if somebody goes down, we can expect more from those people than we could last year. We're literally pulling. Th- Dude, our last couple of games against the like the the Vi- especially the Vikings in the season finale, I had no idea who half these guys were. <laughs> we were literally pulling guys off the street to 
you know, to finish the season uh, for us in that Minnesota game. Like, we were literally playing that game because we were legally obligated to yep. by the NFL. Like, we did not have a roster of 53 guys that were NFL-worthy playing that game against Minnesota. <laughs> so I Actually, I remember watching that game. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also being like, who who is that? I've never yeah. seen that person before. Dude, I do a Bears podcast. I know yeah. this team and have these guys. I'm like, who the who is that? I've never heard of this guy. Who, you know, literally pulled this guy off the street yesterday, put him on, a, put a uniform on him, and threw him out there against Minnesota uh, and everything. It was, uh, it was quite the, quite the thing. Watch that game sitting there. It was, it was like watching a preseason game. I was like, who is this now? Who is number thirty nine? Who is this guy? I was like, I don't know who that is. So yeah, that's what that w- watching that game uh, was like because we literally put half the team on IR for the last game because we knew we weren't like we don't need these guys. So let's let them go ahead and nurse their injuries and. You know, we'll, we'll get ready for next year, and we're literally pulling guys off the street. Um, how do you feel about the Bears' offensive line? I think that's their main concern on offense, just because Justin does tend to run himself into into sacks. And well, I my like, I, I love the Darnell Wright pick a lot. Yeah, but when I saw Tevin Jenkins go down, I started to worry a little bit for for the depth there. Well, that's where I, that's you know number one that when I was talking about depth, that's that's number one for me as far as the depth is better now than it was. Uh, a year ago because even losing Jenkins then we're able to slide Cody Whitehair over to over into the left guard spot which is where he's lived for the last several years anyway Sam Mustafer has died and gone to Ravens practice squad hell (laughs) thank God and you know Lucas Patrick is healthy so he's going to be our our center we just took Dan Feeney off of the you know we made a trade for him from Miami Miami. Uh, JT Carter was a, a pick for us last year that played really well during uh, the preseason. So he's going to be our interior guy. And then Larry Borum, who is a starter for us, is our swing tackle uh, this year. And, you know, knock on wood, hopefully I'm not jinxing them, but Braxton Jones has been Mr. Reliable. He played in every game last year. He played all throughout the season and the preseason and everything uh, this year. So it's like I've – like I said, it, it's it's probably not depth that that most teams would want, but it's way better than it was <laughs> last year. So it's not going to be as steep a decline, you know, losing Lucas Patrick and having to suffer through Sam Mustafer and his gross incompetence for the last uh, two seasons. Like he finished right. he finished twenty twenty just fine, but he became a starter in twenty twenty one, and he was mid at best. And then in twenty twenty two, he went off a cliff, and he was only out there because he had to be. So yeah, it was it was rough last year. Yeah, yeah, and the big concern, like as a former offensive lineman, I know this is the team within the team. The chemistry with those guys is so important, and the guys that we have penciled in to be our five starters haven't played together yet. Nate Davis did not play, I don't think at all during the during the preseason. Darno Wright yeah. only played against uh, Tennessee. Cody Whitehair hurt his hand, hurt his uh, hurt his hand. So that's when we moved over to guard because Tevin Jenkins went down the only guy that's been out there is Braxton Jones and and everybody else like like when they take the field on Sunday that will be the first time those five guys have played together uh right. before so it's like that's if there is a concern that is it it's the offensive line and it's because those guys have not played in a game together they don't know each other I mean I, I feel good about the left side with white hair and, and Jones because that was our left side last year but center over to the right side uh that's a concern because you know those guys haven't played together in a game and uh you know we'll have to see how it how it goes uh how it goes with them and then uh, you know it all gets thrown in uh flux once again when when tevin jenkins comes back so right 
and we're, we're looking at another configuration, and that's if everyone stays healthy those four weeks because we were rotating guys in and out all throughout the season last year. So, yeah, O-line is, is my concern uh, as far as, you know, like I said, it's, it's better than it was last year, but these guys have not played together at all during this preseason, even the five guys that are going to start for us on, on Sunday. So it's, uh, it's going to be a, 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 a concern to see what happens. And, you know, I, I just hope that Fields has more confidence in those guys this year than he did last year because that's what got him tro- into trouble more than anything. He was, he, was du- he was ducking out too soon, and, and like you said, he was running into sacks because there, there are times when you're like, just run, and he's sticking back there, and the next thing you know, the pocket has collapsed on him and he can't go anywhere yep. kind of thing. And then there were other times, even if he made a play, he left too soon. It's like, where you, that pocket was fine. It's like stay in there and throw the ball. And, you know, so hopefully his decision-making uh, – it's better uh, yeah, this year as well. Do. When guys start to see shadows, it can spiral pretty quickly too. So uh, some clean pockets would do him a world of good. Yeah, for sure. So and and also I think it helps that if you know he trusts his targets more than he did because outside of Darno Mooney, who did he, he had Byron <laughs> Pringle and Dante <laughs> Pettis to throw the ball to it was, last year? It was year. a bad group. Yeah, yeah, it was a piss poor group last year, which is why Cole Komet had the year that he did because he became the one reliable target. That he could go to, even when when you know Mooney couldn't get it done, or you know Mooney missed the last seven games of the year with that foot injury yeah. uh, and everything. So are they, are they still going to run Chase Claypool out there as the the starting opposite receiver, or is Tyler Scott going to beat him out like he should? We'll see. We will see. I mean, I, the things that I've heard about Tyler Scott have all been good, but you know they tell me that he's like Darno Mooney with take the top off the defense speed. Per- so I think that's that's a good comp. That makes sense. Yeah. It was so, a very short receiver class this year. Yeah, he was he was one that I, I wanted. So yeah, and he's he's going to be our kick returner. So maybe he can take the opener back and and put some <laughs> take the take the pressure off the offense right away. So yep. we'll have to uh, I'll see that uh, goes. So if you had to pick the division, how do you think it's going to go? So like you, you think Detroit's number one. So is it Bears Packers or Packers Bears for you? Um, I, I'll, I will actually still hope for some health and pick Packers over Bears. Um, but I do think the Vikings will be last. Yeah, as did I. Yeah, I, th- I thought they would finish last. And, and, and I have to admit, I, I had my bias take the Bears over over Green Bay as far as the, the, the order yeah, of finish. I mean, <laughs> but I also think that's going to be like Bears 9-8, and eight, Packers 8-9, eight and nine, or vice versa, you know, with Packers 9-8, and eight, Bears 8-9. Uh, yeah. For for how I see that, because you know, like I said, with with the Bears and their win loss record, I'm thinking it's anywhere from from as as little as seven to as many as eleven. So nine is in the middle. That makes the most sense as far as you know if that you're trying sense. to pick a win loss. I record. am probably, as you would expect, a, more, a little more down on the Bears than, than you are. <laughs> I, honestly, a lot of it's just I don't believe in Fields as much as I believe in Love, and I don't even think that Love's that good. I just I don't think Fields is going to work. Uh, well, I Fields don't... is like the Detroit Lions of quarterbacks in our division. You're going to have to see it to believe it. It's like exactly. he's, he's capable of great things. We've seen him do great things, but he's got to do all the things, and he's he's still got a lot to prove as far as being – a passer in this league, and, and a lot of what Bear fans have for, for Fields uh, is hope that, that that will come together now that he has actual targets and, and good yeah. players to throw the football to. So it's it's yep. one of those. I'm going to have to see it to believe it with Fields. He's <laughs> our guy, so I do believe in him. But trust me, if if he starts to tank, then the, there's going to be a lot of people pounding the table for uh, 
for polls to package those uh, first rounders to to go get one of those quarterbacks next year. Yep. Yeah. So I uh that's that's just how I see that uh going down. This is a monumental year for uh for Justin Fields. This, uh he's got to get it done. That it um, is 30 if you're not good in your third year, you're just not going to be good. That's it, it rarely ever happens. Yeah. I mean, excluded who didn't play. If you don't play, that's a different story. But I mean, that's what it's another reason I, I think I don't think the Packers believed in love or they would have done some different things before this. So, another yeah, one. like they wouldn't have signed Aaron Rodgers to a two hundred million dollar contract last year. So uh, that yes, yeah, yeah, I I could not believe that they did that. It's like oh my god, <laughs> they went ahead and did well, it. I he can't was coming off. It. He was coming off like an MVP. Well, he season. was like, absolutely. I, I, get like, it, I just like but also I, like I get um, the extension is like, but really four more years? That's bananas. Yeah. So yeah, and then he was only around for one. So go figure. But so, how do you see Sunday going down? What do you What do you think? Uh, uh, I I would have if the Packers are healthy, I would pick them um, to win that game. I think Watson is a a difference maker against the Bears defense, and I think that their offensive line will allow them to run the ball pretty well against the Bear defense. But if, they're going to be so hamstrung on offense. They're going to be starting UDFAs and whatnot. So. Um, I, I'm not like, I'm, I gotta make my pick still on this. I will probably pick the Packers. Pick, I think the bears are like a one point favorite, mm-hmm. but, uh, I think it's going to be kind of an ugly game, uh, and kind of an old timey, like everybody's going to run the ball way more than you expect in a modern NFL game. Sure. Um, so I'm not really sure. I might flip to the Bears. The other thing the Packers have working against them is a rookie kicker who wasn't very good in preseason doing his first kicking in Soldier Field. And oh, that's yeah. not, not a good place to, to have your first kicking experience at no. all. Um, and special teams often makes the difference in these games, especially when the Bears win. The Packers often shoot themselves in the foot on special teams. The, the Bears traditionally have very good special teams. So um, I... If you if you pin me down, I'm probably taking the Packers in this one. I think they have enough to get it done, but I like not putting any money on this thing. Like I'm I'm very unconfident about that prediction. And if the Bears yeah. win, I won't be surprised at all. Well, I'm I'm running a a a confidence pick'em league with my listeners uh, this year, and I made my picks earlier uh, this afternoon. I did pick the Bears, but my confidence value that I put on the game was a three. A three out of sixteen. That's, that's about right. Yeah. yeah, that's that's right. It was a three or a four, one of the two. But it was definitely one of those low ones where it's like, yeah, I think the Bears should win this game. They're at home. They are the favorite, and uh, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, so it's really going to come down. I think as it does in most games, but I really do think it's going to come down to who makes the fewest mistakes. Yeah, uh, on the, Sunday. The- the big Packer thing I'll be watching in this game is, uh, so last year uh, in their first game against the Vikings, um, the the Packers spent the entire game in zone and Justin Jefferson had like 230 yards receiving. Right. And they never once put him on Jair Alexander's side of the field. And um, Jair basically went and told Joe Barry, like, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> um, so I want to see in this game if he shadows um, DJ Moore. And if, if they play their stupid soft zone and he catches, you know, 15 balls underneath for 200 yards, then I will give up on this Packers season very quickly because that's the same old stuff. But if they play this as they should and dedicate him to, you know, stopping him as much as you can stop him because he's good. You can't completely stop him. Right. Um, That's at least a positive I can take away that at least they're strategically fine. If they do that, I think they have a good chance. All right. So there you go. And um, uh, Paul, I really appreciate you, you know, subbing in for Evan, who is, uh, you know, 
prioritized getting married over yes. previewing the football <laughs> games. Congrats, Tex. You know, even went overseas uh, to do it, so which is uh, pretty crazy. Um, I saw the saw the picture on uh, on Twitter or X or whatever the kids are calling it these days, and uh, <laughs> celebrating this uh, his nuptials uh, yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. It's a good-looking wedding. Yeah, and we don't get to talk to him until week 18 when we close the season with each other in Lambeau. And I, and I wonder, do you think that game's going to mean anything for either one of those other than bragging rights for the rivalry? I think there's a pretty good chance it means something. Just, uh, okay, even one of one of our teams um, will probably be in wildcard contention, if nothing else. Right. Just because we do play an easy schedule, as the NFC South does as well, and some of those teams are going to tank completely, and some of the, the East and the West are going to beat up on each other. I mean, it's a bad NFC, and with the schedules we have, it, like there's a lot of var- room for variance here. Somebody's going to be in the running for something. I mean, it's so easy to make the playoffs now. They keep adding spots, and yeah. um, it might not matter for both of us, yeah. but it's definitely going to, it's not going to not matter. Sure. Because uh, if we don't play, you know, like say if you guys are, if it's, uh, if this year's matchup for us week 18 is the Detroit Green Bay matchup for you guys last year, if that doesn't happen, this will snap like a 17 season streak where the Bears and Packers don't play on prime time. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's true. Uh, that game has to mean something if we want to keep the streak alive. Let, let's <laughs> be the, gets, you know, the 200. Two hundred and seventy-second game or whatever, you know, to be the last one that plays on Sunday night. It's destined football. to be flexed. It's flexed. It's going to be in winter time. There'll probably be snow. They'll yeah. the picturesque nature of it. Well, and, and it will be at Lambo, which which yeah. primetime uh, loves way more than than filming in that god awful Soldier Field. So <laughs> they do. Uh, yeah. So it, it'll be at Lambo. There, there's going to be stakes. So yeah, I think it's a very good chance that if uh, if a playoff spot or God forbid the division is on the line. Uh, in that one, that we might be able to keep the streak alive with prime time games, even though Sunday's game is technically a, a national game because yeah. it's going to be like Fox's national game of the week or whatever. But it'll be shown in like eighty percent of the market instead of all of them, like the Sunday night game would be. Right. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see if uh, it would be interesting to see if that game actually does mean something. Then it would be brilliant scheduling on the part of uh, of the NFL to to have it fall. Uh, that way, but we're going to have to wait, you know, what, four months or four months of change to, uh, yep. it's a long to, season to be able to solve that mystery. So anything can happen more so in this one than almost any other time. Yeah. Amen to that. I mean, and the only way the schedule could have gotten easier is if we had the AFC South instead of the AFC West, yep. uh, this year, cause the NFC South is like you said, it's probably like the NFC North and the fact that it's about as wide open as it can be, especially with Brady being gone and, uh, and everything else, the the rookie quarterbacks that are in that division, the new Derek Carr out there in New Orleans, and then the AFC South is aside from the Jaguars, an absolute mess uh, uh, just a out there. Ter- terrible division. Yeah. So it's like when I was doing, like in my head, I, I was the way that I did the math because at one point I, I settled on ten to seven, ten and seven for the Bears because I had us going three and three in the division, basically splitting with everyone, two and two with the AFC West. Uh, Two and two with the AFC with the NFC South. So what's that? Seven and seven? Uh yeah, I think so. So or I think I actually had three and one in the in the <laughs> NFC North. In the NFC South. Because aside from New Orleans, I think we can beat everyone else. So so that's that would be eight and six. And then I had two and one in our same play Washington, Cleveland, and um Arizona. So right. I think we can get two wins out of that. So I was like, that's where I kind of fell on. 
10 to 7 but you know and when when you, when you're on the borderline teams like that you're always good for a loss that nobody can explain so that's where it goes back down to 9 and 8 so very, very logical yeah Makes so that's kind of where i i came about uh with that so uh, but paul thanks so much uh for coming in and uh you know we'll see if we can get a chance to talk to you again sometime uh soon but where can we keep up with you in the uh, meantime Ah, so um, I do write for Acme Packing Company. Um, I am the numbers guy there. I, I do a lot of the analytics work, uh, especially during college scouting season. I also do a Packer podcast myself called Reporting is Eligible with uh, um, Matt. Uh, Matt just likes to be Matt Matub. And uh, J.R. Radcliffe, who's the training sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Nice. Um, so you can check out my work there. I also write a weekly uh, wrap-up column for the Shepherd Express, which is the independent paper in Milwaukee. So. Nice. nice. And uh, I'm on Twitter or X or whatever. And on every other social media platform, I am Badger Noonan, uh, as in the animal that represents the University of Wisconsin. How are they looking this year? Uh, a lot of optimism with new regime, new head coach, Luke Fickle, but did not overwhelm against Buffalo on Saturday. Mm. So um, I would say looked okay, but we were hoping for a little more. Yeah, that's the one good thing about being from Chicago is that we don't really root for college teams is like i mean there's There's not really there's lots of notre dame and you know obviously northwestern is 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 a a neighboring uh place but it's like when it comes to saturdays i'm just watching football it's like i'm not like oh so and so is playing turn it on or anything and my alma mater is a one double a school so it's not uh you know i went to western illinois so it's not exactly readily available you got to find it on espn plus somewhere uh to be able to catch some of their uh some of their games and they've been God awful since I left that place. So not exactly something I'm clamoring to, uh, to watch week in and week out when they're getting their asses handed to them by everybody. So, yeah. So, but, uh, yeah. So hopefully the Badgers can do it a little something, mix it up a little bit in the big 10, somebody other than Ohio state and Michigan. So I I hope so, but they did not look in their class at least this weekend, but you know, it's an all new regime. It's a lot of transfers. And so a a little bit of rust, I think is excusable. Sure. Sure. Well, Paul, thanks again uh, for, uh, for coming in and, and helping us out. And uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. As always, want to thank our guest, uh, Paul Noonan, for uh, coming on to the show and giving his uh, honest assessment of uh, where he thinks the Bears uh, are or where they're going to be, but also showing us a little love, you know, thinking that we can at least be middle of the road, not thinking we're going to be a five-win, four-win team like some other uh, uh, sources out there saying, you know, thinking that it's just going to be a repeat of last year, which I... Unless we get decimated by injuries, I honestly do not see that happening, you know. And the only reason that I didn't quite believe what everyone was saying about the Bears last year was, like, I just, it was more so about, you know, Justin Fields. Like, I just don't see the Bears going 3-14 and like some people said we would, and somehow they nailed that one. But I don't see how the Bears go 3-14 and and we're still talking about Justin Fields being our quarterback going into 2023. I just don't see it. And somehow we managed to pull that off. I mean, you guys have heard me hurt, heard me say a thousand times during the off season, we had the weirdest, uh, we had the weirdest season of all time for a fan base. 
Like we went three and fourteen. We lost the last ten games of the season, and yet somehow we were engaged. We weren't all just in the in the bathtub slitting our wrists, you know, just to end it all, uh, kind of thing. It wasn't the most. It was one of the. It was an oddly enjoyable three and fourteen with the way that the the team played at times, with what Justin Fields was doing out there, with you know running the football, uh, showing the, the the league and the world that he is a force to be reckoned with. Now, if you could just figure out that whole passing thing, then we really got something. And, and that's what we're hoping to find uh, this year is that uh, he discovers the other half of being a quarterback. Cause you know, he made a name for himself in college as a passer. I mean, he could run. That was part of his uh, part of his mystique. He had that four, four forty speed and, and you know, the, he could run when he needed to, but in Ohio state, he could stand back there in the pocket for 12 seconds waiting for Olave and, and all those guys to get downfield and just launch these 70-yard passes, hit the guy in stride, boom, done, touchdown, uh, and everything. It's a lot different in the NFL when you've got a second, maybe a second and a half to to uh, you know figure things out. You, you can't just sit back there like a statue waiting on all the protection in the or having all the protection in the world uh, keeping you clean and, uh, you know, Wearing, wearing a white jersey and having zero grass stains on it by the end of the ball game That's not the reality uh, in the NFL. So hopefully this year, uh, with a revamped offensive line, we can get him a little bit closer to maybe three seconds or so before he's, you know, got to find his, uh, figure out what he's going to do. And, uh, you know, he can be the passer because he's, he's got an arm. He can make every throw that there is uh, in the league, and he can be accurate uh, as well. So I would just... Uh, I really hope that everything that we want to see from him comes this year. So, and uh, speaking of which, you know, that leads us right into keys to the game as we close up shop here on the week one preview uh, of the Bears Talk Underground. Number one for me is we got to protect Justin Fields in the passing game. You know, I I would very much be happier this year if he doesn't get anywhere close to 1,000 yards rushing this season. You know, obviously there are going to be some design runs. He is going to scramble from time to time, but I hope he can trust himself. He can trust what he sees on the field, and more importantly, I hope he can trust his offensive line to stay in the pocket and deliver the ball to DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, you know, and Darnell uh, Mooney, along with our tight ends uh, as well. Um, But that all starts with protection. I mean, last year it was he was running for his life most of the time. Uh, last year, especially with that dope Sam Mustafer up front uh, and everything, with you know Riley, the aging Riley Reef out, you know, out there and uh, and all that kind of stuff. The makeshift offensive line, especially as the season went along and everybody started getting hurt, uh, you know, it was a it was a bad situation. So to protect Justin Fields in the passing game, I got a feeling that the Packers are going to come for Fields, not because he folds and 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 everything, you know, in the under protection or whatever, but I got a feeling they're going to come after him as a way of trying to bottle him up, sending seven, eight guys to, to you know, to to, shore, to close up the running lane so he has to throw the ball. And, you know, I, I just want, uh, want our offensive line to protect him so that he has the time to find DJ Moore and we can really take out the, take this new toy out for a spin and, and really see what DJ Moore is capable of. Uh, in a Bears uniform, so I mean, we've seen flashes of it in the preseason with the 
with the five yard catch that he turned into a sixty yard touchdown uh, run, and then that you know that crossing route that he had in the preseason against the Bills that he managed to turn into a forty yard gain. Get DJ Moore out into the open field, and good things are going to happen. So, but Justin Fields has to be protected so that he has the time to find him uh, and everything. So he's not rushing things so he can see the field and and make the throws that he needs to make to prove to everyone that he is a worthwhile quarterback and an NFL-level passer. So let's protect Justin Fields in the passing game. I think the running game will take care of itself. Um, Number two, on defense, you heard us talking to Paul about it. Prepare to defend the run. Because with with Dobbs and uh, Christian Watson uh, reportedly out uh, for this game uh, against the Bears, that that leaves them with very little uh, in their wide receiving core uh, you know, they have the tight ends, especially the two kids that they drafted uh, this year, uh, Kraft from South Dakota State and Musgraves out of Iowa, I believe it was Iowa. And, um, you know, so it's the tight ends, and it's going to be, and they, but they have a healthy Aaron Jones. They have a healthy A.J. Dillon. They're going to use those guys. And, um, you know, just to, to say something that you've heard Packer fans say about, say about our quarterbacks, we got to force Jordan Love to play quarterback. You know, we want to shut down the run, put the ball in Jordan Love's hands for him to try to make something out of this makeshift wide receiving core that he's going to have to play with uh, on Sunday. We want to put it on him. You know, for all these years, we've we've been wanting to do everything like to to not put Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre in a position, uh, to, you know, to beat the Bears. It's like you want to get to Rodgers so that they have to run the ball or, or try to run the ball because that hasn't always been a strength for the Packers. They've always been more reliant on their passing game, especially with the offenses that they, you know, those old West Coasts where they pass to run uh, kind of thing, where, you know, a three-yard pass out into the flat is basically a sweep uh, for them and, and things like that. This is the opposite. We want to shut down the running game and force Jordan Love to beat us. That's that's what we want, especially with without Romeo Dobbs, without uh, Christian Watson. He is extremely shorthanded going into this game. And, you know, we want to force some of those guys to step up, and, and hopefully they won't be able to. So it's not really even so much getting to Jordan Love, which I would love to see, but it's like shutting the game, shutting the running game down in order to, you know, get to Jordan Love as well. Because, like as you heard me talking to Paul, if they get the running game going, that's going to open up play action, that's going to make things easier on Jordan Love, it's going to make the offense go. We need to do the opposite. We shut the running game down so they're forced to pass, especially if, if our offense is clicking and we're putting some points on the board and they got to pass the ball to try to catch up. That's the, that's the key strategy there. And then the third one isn't so much a key as, as so much as it is a request. Let's make this thing a rivalry again because it hasn't been for the better part of the last 30 years. The, the last time that this was a rivalry was towards the end of, of the Favre era, when when Lovey came to town from 04 to 07, the Bears were like seven and three in those matchups, and, and including the last season that Favre was in a Green Bay uniform in 07. Even though we were seven and nine and didn't make the playoffs, we swept Green Bay that year. We went out there and we beat them on Sunday Night Football earlier in the season, and then towards the end of the year, when the Packers are trying to play for home field advantage in the in the playoffs and everything, we smoked them 35-7. to Just absolutely blasted Green Bay in that game. That was the last time we swept the, the Packers. Because even in our solid years of uh, 
like 2010, we went 11 and five and won the division. And in, in 2018, we split both seasons with Green Bay that year. Meanwhile, the Packers since 07 have swept the Bears like nine times or something like that. Insane. And obviously with, with Rodgers and everything, his record against the Bears 22 and five or something ridiculous like that, including a victory over us in the NFC title game in 2010, it's, we're, we're rivals. We will always be rivals and regarded as the greatest rivalry in the sport, but it hasn't been a rivalry in a very long time. So, and the only way that it can become a rivalry again is if the Bears start winning some of these goddamn games. And it's got to start here uh, on Sunday, which is like you heard me say to, uh, to Paul, this is a, it's a no-win situation for the Bears because if we win, we're, we were supposed to. The Packers don't have Rodgers anymore. They're not as good as they used to be or, or what have you. And if we lose, it's like, well, saw that coming. The Bears still can't figure out how to beat Green Bay. So we got to go out there. We got to get it done. We got to make this a rivalry again. And like I said, the only way we're going to make it a rivalry again is if we start winning some of these games. And we are in the best position in a long time to make that happen. Not only do we have a much improved roster, but ding dong, the witch is dead. Like I said earlier, Rodgers is gone. We're out of excuses. We got to win this football game on Sunday. So, Hopefully the Bears aren't putting that kind of pressure on themselves, but we know as a fan base and the fans, we got to beat Green Bay. Rodgers is gone. We are out of excuses, and they don't have their top two passing weapons uh, and everything. We're out of excuses. We have to win on Sunday. So let's go ahead and get it done and turn this thing into a rivalry once again. So anyway, guys, that is going to do it for the week one preview of the Bears Talk Underground. Come back on Monday when we will review this game, Bears-Packers week one. Did we get it done? Did we shut down Jordan Love and the Packers and take our first win of the non-Rodgers era and, and turn this into a rivalry once again where the Packers are going to be looking to avenge that loss at the end of the season when we see each other for week 18 uh, and everything like that? We will have knee-jerk reactions back once again. I know you guys love those, so those will be back uh, as well. And I... Spoiler alert, guys, if we lose this game, it's going to be most likely, probably a 99% chance, it's probably going to be an explicit episode. <laughs> and so I know you don't, you never like the circumstances of why I do exp- explicit episodes, but I know you guys all love the explicit episodes. So I know that there's probably like a 5% chance in the back of your mind, and eh, maybe we should lose this one so Larry can just lose his shit on the show on Monday. But um, yeah, we'll do the review. On Monday, and then on Tuesday, the fourth phase will be back to review week one and uh, all that took place uh, during the opening weekend of the season. So come back on Monday for the review. Week one, Bears-Packers. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.